This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. I want to bring you a message this morning entitled, Look Me in the Eyes. Look me in the eyes. Romans chapter 8, verse number 35. We're almost done with this chapter. Look me in the eyes. Romans 8, 35. You know what? As we're about to read that, let me just also say this. That usually when I come in here preaching, I I bring my shotgun. You know, everybody's going to get a little something. All right? Going to try to give everybody something. Today, I feel very much more, it's very singular, that God's searching out people who are hurting in very specific ways. And God's wanting to speak to you plainly today. And maybe you need to hear this question that Paul asked. Paul says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger? I mean, this person's having a pretty bad day or threatened with death. Does that mean that God doesn't love us if things aren't going well? Wow. Would you do me just a quick favor before we dive completely into this message? Turn to someone near you, if there is someone near you. I want you to look them in the eyes and say, but you don't just say it, but look them in the eyes for just a moment and say, I'm glad you're here. Would you do that? Some of you are like, glad you're here. No, I, I mean, get uncomfortable with it. You know what I mean? I'm glad you're here. You know what I'm saying? It does something. You see, most of us, understand that God loves us. Can I get an amen? amen? But a lot of us have a hard time connecting to God's love. We know He loves us, but we don't really know how to get there. We have a hard time connecting with others around us. I mean, sort of like this generation. You go into a, a restaurant, and there'll be four teenagers or four young adults. Now they're almost 30 sitting around a table, and, and they're all texting. But the funny thing is, they're texting each other. I'm like... It would be easier to just speak it across the table. But the problem is, they either are saying something they don't want all of them to hear, or somebody goes, yep, that's us, you know, or they're struggling with the ability to make connection because our world has become so unconnected. And, and, and it just blew my mind as I was studying this this week. And, and then I began to think, if we have trouble connecting with the people that we are around, should we not also understand that's probably why we have trouble connecting with a God that we don't see? You see, in order to make connection, there really has to some, something has to occur. And, and this is very simple. And it's very, but connection begins with eye contact. Some of you are like, don't look at the preacher. Don't look at the preacher. But connection begins with eye contact. When we actually look each other in the eye. Connection begins, and scientists actually speculate, and I, and I, I tried this out this week, that, that we only look the people that we're with in the eye for about 30% of our conversation. We look around us. Think about how many times you've sat with someone, you've eaten with someone, and, and you really not looked at them. 
You've been with them, but you, you've not made that connection with them because, you know, you're just doing life together, but, but you've not taken that moment because when you look somebody in the eye, you can see their pain. When you look somebody in the eye, you can tell, what, what are you up to? You can tell if, if they're being mischievous for a moment. You can, you can tell if they're angry. You can tell if they're happy. You can, when you look somebody in the eye, it reveals something about them. And, 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 you know, a lot of times it just gets a little uncomfortable when somebody's looking us in the eye too much. Well, in 1989, they did a study where they took perfect strangers and they pulled them together and, and, and they discovered that within about two minutes, perfect strangers felt a deep personal connection when they stared into each other's eyes for two minutes. Strangers of the opposite sex, after three minutes of staring into each other's eyes, actually began to feel passion and even the expression of love for each other. Now think about that for a moment. That something happened in that period of time that made them feel a connection because they simply looked in each other's eyes. Interesting. They said for the first 30 seconds, it was very awkward. But after about 30 seconds, they began to notice the color. They began to notice the wrinkles. They began to notice, if you were staring at my eyes, you'd see a little scar right here. They began to notice the, the scars. They began to feel like there was some kind of a connection that was made because they actually took time to look each other in the eyes. And how many of you would understand that when you're in love, words are not necessary because you just get lost in each other's eyes? Uh-oh, no amens in this room. Some of y'all need to go home and just stare at each other for a little while. Amen. You see, and I don't mean mean stare at each other for a little while, amen, but just kind of, kind of put your best on and look at each other, amen. You see, something happens. You reach that moment when you look into someone and they let down the guard, they let down the facade, and you see them for who they are. And as you begin to see them for who they are, you actually reach a place with that person that's called the point of, of no return. You reach the point of no return. And, and if we were talking about a point of no return, I want you to get kind of the, the same feeling that, that when you share with someone and you, you form a bond with them and you reach that point of no return, the only way to kind of put that into perspective is, is, is in space, this moment is mirrored at the point that a gravitational pull becomes so great that it's impossible to escape. The most obvious example is a black hole, a celestial object that is so massive that light can only enter but never exit its gravitational field. Why? Because the escape velocity of a black hole is greater than the speed of light, which is impossible for light to exceed. So that once you cross its horizon, there is no turning back. That at some point you see into someone so deep, in some point that the connection is made so, so deeply that no matter what happens in time and space, that no matter what happens, when you interact with that person, there's a feeling there because you've crossed that point of no return. Let me just be real blunt with you this morning. When you look to Calvary, you crossed a place of no return. When you looked unto Christ and you lifted your eyes unto him, you experienced the love of God and the love of God once given to you will not turn back from you. The love of God will chase you, will come after you. The love of God, there is no escaping the love of God because when you confess Christ, you entered the point of no return. How do I know this? 
Because Scripture is plain, not only is our God great, but our God is love. That's who He is. Our God is love. Look, if you're saying, Pastor Don, I know God loves me, and I've got this all under control, then you need to be praying for the person who's struggling with connecting with God the way that they need to this morning. Because God sent me with a message for somebody that you need to know that God's love is stronger and pulls longer than anything you could have ever imagined. God's love, once you have tasted of God's love, you have passed into a place of no return. God's love is freely given, but so many struggle to experience God's love because they have messed up concepts of what love really is. Many people think that love leaves me. Many people think that love uses me. Many people think that love spoils me. But the only way you're going to truly know God's love is to allow God to reveal His love to you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 17, shares with us about the depth of God's love. It says, Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as, watch this, not when, but as you trust Him. As you learn to walk deeper and deeper in trust with Christ. Pastor Don, I can only go so far. I'm willing to pray that sinner's prayer, but I don't know how much further I can go. But as you learn to trust Christ further and further with more and more of your life, what's going to begin to happen is God's love is going to begin to be revealed to you. He says, your roots will grow down into God's love and will keep you strong. That as you begin to open up more and more areas of your life, you know what? There have been people in my life that I've opened up to that have used that exposure to hurt me and to wound me. And because of that, I locked down. But every time I've opened up to God, he not only loves me, but he heals me and he gives me hope in the middle of my storm. And God's saying, if you'll trust me, I'll let you put roots down in love that will never fail you and that will never leave you high and dry. And you will begin to know the power of understanding, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Wow. So here's what I know. How many of you would, un- would say with me, God's all-powerful? Is God all-powerful? Amen. I love the line they sang on, on Easter that said, He breathed galaxies. That's, how, that's my God. Sorry, I'm just going to pause on that one for a moment. The earth is His footstool. He flung his, his hand, and, and the universe began, it seems. He spoke the word, and everything that was came into being. And, and we all imagine when Satan exalted himself against God that there was this great battle in heaven. The Scripture said, no, 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 no. Scripture says that God didn't have to use his arm to defeat the enemy, that he only used his finger. That it was just a little nothing to God. That's the kind of God I've come to declare to you. A God who can do all things, who can, who can walk on water, a God who can, who can look death, hell, and grave right in the face and defeat them and come back in power. That's the kind of God I've come to preach to you. But just as great as his power is, his love is that great. His, God's love is measureless. Just like his power, you will never exhaust the fountain of God's love. I also want you to understand that God's love is unconditional. His love is unconditional. You can't earn His love. Am I going to have to buy an amen corner this morning? I said you can't earn God's love. But how about this? You can't earn more of His love either. 
He just loves you. But pastor, you don't understand. He loved me more then because I was trying harder then. No, no, no. He loves you just as much now as he did then. But you don't know. But, but I've got this scar now and I've got this scar and I've got this stain of sin. And I've got... He loves you. It has not changed the fact that he loves you. What did I say about a week ago? The cross proved God loves us. The cross proves it. He loves us that while we were yet in our sins, Peter is in the worst moment of his life. He is denying Christ. Watch this. He's denying Christ. And what does the Bible say that Christ does? As Peter denies him the third time, Christ in the middle of his own judgment, in the middle of what's happening, his own, they're going to kill him. Christ turns his head and makes eye contact. He looks Peter in the eye and lets him know, I still love you. Unconditional. As a matter of fact, his love is so unconditional that even if you can't love him back, that only proves his love and how unconditional it is because he still loves you so much more. Now here at the end of Romans 8, Paul's asking questions. He's asking questions kind of like a lawyer would ask questions. He's asking questions that he already knows the answer to because it's going to, burst, it's going to just bust that case wide open. And his question is simple. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? The answer, nothing. Nothing. Nothing that you have done should be listed for you. Or is the devil doing a good enough job of that right this moment? Is he not telling you of your faults and failures and why God can't love you? Because if they knew, it's not about us. It's about the God that we've come to worship. But if they knew who you really, it doesn't matter if what we know. If you knew what, that, that all the things about me, you would not want to listen to me preach. I am nothing but a sinner saved by the grace of a glorious God. And I get to stand here and declare to you that the same grace that's changed my life wants to change your life because God is good and his mercy endures forever and he loves you unconditionally. Amen. But Paul can take this to a place that I can't even. He says, look, he says, can you uh, understand that nothing's going to separate you from God's love? And then he wants to take it a step further. He says, he says, if he loves you, don't you understand no matter where you are, he loves you? He says it like this. For those of you who said, if he loves us, does he love us when everything's turned upside down and our lives look like they're falling apart? I mean, Paul had the right to ask this question because this is his own memories we see listed here when it says, does it happen to disaster and calamity and problems and struggles? And even if you're in threat of death, Paul goes back to the storm at sea and says, I still felt his love at the sea in the middle of the hurricane. Paul goes back to when they stoned him and left him for dead. I mean, my goodness, would we not feel utter rejection at that moment? He says, but even when they stoned me and left me for dead, it was in the middle of that that I felt his love. Paul goes back to the point where he stood judged by the ruler of the known world. And he says, you may judge me, but I've already been judged. And he loves me, and he loves me still. Paul could feel the 195 scars upon his back from the times that he had been beaten. And as he felt those scars, they did not make him feel forsaken and forgotten. But yet they reminded him of the love that covered him in the middle of the storm. I have come to preach of God's love today. Paul gives the answer. He says, I can tell you that of every experience, nothing that life throws at you can separate you from God's love. He says, you see, it's during the darkest days that you look into the eye of the storm and the love of God comes shining through. Not love that, that runs, but love that lasts. 
I want to say that again. Not love that will run, but God shows you love that will last. Hardship will do one of two things to you. It will either harden you or it will soften you. Love that has been through the storm becomes strong. This is the kind of bond that marriages can form like none other when hard times have come. This is the kind of bond that forms and calls men to become bands of brothers during the hard times. This kind of love God wants to reveal to you so that you will realize that it's not pretty love, but it is love that is bound by blood, sweat, and tears. Earlier I made the mistake of said God is dying to show his love for you. No, God did die to show his love for you. This is the kind of love that is tempered by 50 years of marriage. This is the kind of love that has endured a miscarriage, the death of a parent, or even an affair. Love that has been knocked down but love that has gotten back up. So how do I find this love in the middle of my storm? And this is what God began to pour into my heart this week. And it is so important. How do I look God in the eyes? If I want to see somebody, if I really want to know who they are, if I need that, that moment of connection with somebody, how do I look them in the eyes? How do I look God in the eyes? And I want you to get this today. Worship is when we look God in the eyes. Worship is when we look God in the eyes. And I've got my sermon here, but I've got to just preach for a moment of what poured into my heart. You cannot worship focused this way. You can't worship focused on your storm. You can't worship. I don't care where you are, what you're going through. I don't care what darkness you've been in. When you begin to worship, you have to change and elevate your perspective. You have to look up. You have to lift your eyes to something greater because you cannot worship something that you do not respect. But when you begin to worship, you begin to lift up your eyes to the hills for which cometh your help. You begin to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. You begin to say, God, God, I don't care what the storm is. I, I feel like, look, I've been trying to behave all morning, but I feel like preaching for just a moment. Is that all right? Listen to me. When you begin to worship, what would happen the next time that sin comes knocking on your door and you think, God, you can't love me. There's no way you can help me. You can know there's no way you can deliver me. But instead of telling God what he can't do, why don't you throw up your hands and begin to tell him what he can do? And as you begin to declare his deliverance, his freedom, his power, you better watch out because victory is on the way because God's coming through for you. Amen. Sorry, but I feel it. You see, if you can't worship, you have a wrong image of God. Worship is when we gather, not just to sing the pretty words of poets, but rather we are lifting up our eyes to a God who looks into who we are. He looks past the superficial. He looks past our scars and our wrinkles. He knows our history and he chooses to love us still. Worship in the dark times. That is what Paul spoke of. I couldn't help this morning but think of the hidden church in communist countries as they gather. And if they sing out loud, they will be arrested and lose everything they have. But in the middle of that darkness, when the world says, we will destroy you, they set their uh, joining hands. And this is literally how they worship. They'll worship like this. 
And I'm just singing, I exalt thee, I exalt thee. As they begin to worship just like that, people go, well, they're not really worshiping. Yes, they are. Why? Because in the middle of their darkness, in the middle of the oppression regime that is around them, they are lifting up their eyes to the one who is really in control. What would happen in the middle of your torment, in the middle of your sin, in the middle of your problems, even the devil says, I've robbed your voice. You may say, you might think you have my voice, but you do not have my worship. And you lift your voice up unto God and God begins to change your world. But you better watch out because the same Holy Spirit that found Paul and Silas in the middle of a jail, worshiping in the darkness that after they had been beaten, is still able to show up and show out in your life and set you free from whatever has a hold of your life. Amen. I thought about the, the one that's been sold as a slave because they're a Christian in a, in, in a, 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 a country in the Middle East and they've been tormented. And, and, but in the middle of, of that time when they're being forced to bow on a mat five times a day, but instead of crying out to the demons of this world, yet they're declaring, God, you are my deliverer. You are my hope. You are my refuge. And people wonder why they're still able to survive because greater is the God that is in them than the enemy that's trying to destroy them. You need to connect with God. You're going to do that through worship. That's when you experience His love as you begin to pour out your love. You see, whether you're sitting in a lonely church or you sit in a place like this this morning, worship is where we find the depths of today's passage. Can anything separate you from God's love? Troubles and problems and struggles and turmoil, even death itself? No. I'm just reminded as I pause... So one of my dear friends that many of you loved and as I walked into his bedroom before he breathed his last struggled with Lou Gehrig's disease and Frank lay on his bed and his mother was weeping in the corner and my grandfather had just died that morning and I walked into his room could no longer move. He had an air mask on his face. I could tell he was saying something. And I leaned in close because I wanted to hear if he was telling me something. He knew I was there, his body just unresponsive. Dad, you were there with me. And yet on that bed, he was declaring the glory of God. He was looking into the eyes of the one that he was about to meet. And of that I'm jealous this morning. Because now we look through a glass dimly. But one day we shall see Him face to face. But until that day, when the world tells me He can't love me and there's no way that what I'm going through, God knows where I am, I have the greatest weapon to destroy every ounce of doubt, destroy every moment of despair. I have the ability to look into the eyes of the one who loves me. And I lift up my eyes from my trouble. 
I've stopped talking about all the things that have gone wrong in my life, all the reasons why I can't, all the reasons why God couldn't. And I look up and I begin to declare who He is and what He's done, and I begin to become who He says that I am. Who are you? It's simple. You are a love child of the living God. He loves you. He loves you beyond measure. Would you stand with me today? But Pastor Don, you don't understand. There's no way God can love me where I am. You have a wrong image of love. Was the greatest expression of God's love when, when he healed the blind eyes? Was the greatest expression of God's love when he broke the bread and the crowd cheered because they got free food? Or was the greatest expression of his love on a cross? You will never fully understand, as Ephesians says, the depth of his love until you need his love in the greatest ways in your life. Would you bow your heads with me today? Some of you are paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by struggles, problems and sins have grabbed hold of you. But I'm inviting you right where you are, right in your calamity, right in your failure, right in your pain, to join me today in declaring how great is our God. How awesome is our King. How faithful is our Father. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your grace and your goodness. And I thank you that in my darkest hours, you have moved the greatest. Maybe you're here today. And you say, Pastor, I'm the one God sent this message for. I'm the one that's struggling with wondering how could God love me? But today, I want to surrender to the love of God completely. If that's you with nobody looking around, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I just want to see your hand quickly so I can pray for you. Hands literally all over this place. You can put those down. I'm going to pray that God's love will reveal itself to you in a great way. But maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Donna, I know what's hindering me from experiencing God's love because I've never surrendered to Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I've never prayed this prayer of salvation before. And today I want to do so. If that's you, could I just see your hand just as simply as these that raise their hand. Today's the day I want to give my life completely to Jesus Christ. Thank you. Are there others? Thank you. If there's someone near you, join their hand. You don't have to move if there's no one near you, but quickly join their hand. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead and that Jesus Christ is Lord, we'd be born again. We're going to pray a simple prayer and then I believe God's going to introduce himself to you as your father by faith as you repent of your sins and confess Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let's pray this prayer together today. Jesus, by faith, I believe your promise. And in Jesus' name, I repent of my sins. Father, you see my past, my present, and my future. I give it all to you, all the right and all the wrong. Forgive me, God. I receive your grace 
by the gift of Christ. And from this moment on, I declare all that I am belongs to you. From this moment forward, God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that's working this in the lives of those who responded. And for those many today that say they need to know how to connect to your love, Father, I thank you that as they begin to connect in worship, love is going to come in. As they begin to tell you who you are and how much they love you, your love is going to reciprocate to them in ways that they could have never imagined. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. And more than anything, Father, thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. How many are thankful for Jesus this morning? Amen. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.